spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know Flatters, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. Hello and welcome to the 215th annual Subliminal Session Podcast, the weekly dose of conspiracy theory. Bullshit, my name is Cody and my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. I have a quick tale about, um, we've been talking a lot about ISPs lately, right? And I've been plagued by this weird issue where mostly on my laptop and my desktop, it will not connect to the Wi-Fi unless I fully restart the router, right? So over the weekend, I completely did a factory reset and completely reset up all the router, hoping maybe something was airing or something like that, you know? And first day works pretty good. And then all of a sudden I'm noticing like my internet just like randomly will go out for like a few minutes and then come back on and it keeps doing it and keeps doing it. And I knew we're going to have to record and it kept doing it last night. I'm like, you know what? Just going to get a new router. I can get it here by today and hopefully I'll fix the problems. And then I get the router and what do you know? I've had absolutely perfect internet, not a single interruption all fucking day nothing has gone wrong it's almost like it knew that i was trying to replace it and then it's like okay i'm gonna be on my best behavior now (laughs) and i just know if i return it now uh the router then all of a sudden it's just gonna fucking shit again yeah, you got to do the same thing with adopted children. If one of them starts <laughs> acting up, you got to bring in the next one. Yeah. Just sit him right next to him. Then like, dude, if you keep acting up, he's going to get your bed. <laughs> he's sleeping on the floor now, but, you know, he's next up in the batting order here. <laughs> it's a li- You know what? Adopted children and Internet service providers... <laughs> Same thing, treat them the same way. (laughs) I actually, I didn't think it out loud, but I was just kind of in an internal thought like, hey, I think I'm going to take my modem back and get a new one. And it's almost like Comcast had read my thoughts and they didn't want (laughs) to exchange the modem. And then all of a sudden that starts working great. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I'm a little scared to return it because I have a feeling that's when shit's going to hit the fans. Yeah, I would definitely not take that back. I would actually keep it out of the box sitting right next to the other router so that that <laughs> router knows that if it fucks up even a little bit, it's getting pulled <laughs> fucking out of it, rotation. I, I just I don't know what the hell happened. It was just so weird. And now it's just like working fine. Yeah, I'm just going to hold on to a few days and just let it know that this is its final warning. And if it does it again. It's probably going in the dumpster. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I don't know. I said most of my piece last week about all of the the new stuff. I don't know. I had the, uh, we just had Labor Day. It was a big four-day weekend for me. Uh, Drank too much Saturday while watching football. And then uh, Labor Day, got way too much sun, uh, fried myself pretty good. So 
Well, your you know, Hawkeye, usual. your Hawkeyes did win. Barely. Yeah, they barely won. I saw your Gophers beat the the Cornhuskers. So. I I honestly, real quick here before we get in the episode, I that Thursday I can remember because I edited and then I turned the game on and I was watching it while I was baking some stuff and Gophers are doing great, doing great. You know, offensively they're stinking it up a little bit and. Yep. Then it was like seven ten or three ten or something like that. And I was like, ah, oh, they suck. They're gonna lose, you know. Go to bed and I wake up. I'm like, oh, I better check the score. And then it's like fourteen ten, and I'm like, or thirteen ten or fourteen ten or something. And I'm like, what the fuck? How did they manage to do this? Come back? Well, yeah, just like they couldn't do nothing all game, and then all of a sudden they just win the game. Yeah, well, that's how it fucking goes. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, just be happy they won. That's just- <laughs> You know what? It's uh, NFL opener this weekend. That is what I'm pumped about. Um, let's hope uh, hope the old Vikings can, you know, do something <laughs> this year. I, I <laughs> not a lot of hope, but yeah. uh, they specialize in mediocrity. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes, they do. But uh, enough. First sport- round of playoffs, then bust. That's yeah. the rule. <laughs> probably it probably will be to be honest with you but uh anyway phil why don't you take us on a delectable journey all right enough sports talk here we go death feared by most and laughed at by frequent patrons of motel six is of course the inevitable final stop on this wild express line we call life having been throughout human sentience on this planet Given time-honored ritualistic burials and sacramental services for individuals by family and friends in order to remember and revere their fallen loved ones, having exited this existence to walk the trail to the next supposed dimension. When ancient civilizations are studied, modern archaeologists and historians search for and examine the remains left behind by past civilizations, searching either graves, crypts, tombs, or whatever names that have been assigned to a dead person's burial home. These burial sites tell the researchers just as much about the body that inhabits that grave as it does about the society it is within, as the burials of, say, the rich and powerful will vary greatly from those that are of the different classes of men and women who serve those noble people. Now, Though the religious rituals will differ greatly, many of these traditions live on to this day. Examples being the act of preserving a corpse after death, this of course besides cremation, having some kind of viewing of the deceased body for a short period of time, and of course the eventual burial service for said corpse. Yeah, I would say, and I don't know about your experience, have you mostly been to... I guess, Christian funerals, moreover, Catholic funerals. Yes, I would say 100% of them have been Catholic. Looking at the body for at night, burying it the next day, right? Yep. I I have an honest question, though. What secrets do you know about Motel 6 and the patrons (laughs) that go there? It's a dirty, disgusting place. I believe most of them you can still smoke inside the hotel room. So if smoking, that's the reason why I used to stay at Motel 6s. Well, and I didn't, you know, the money thing. I'm, yeah. I'm a cheap bastard. Yeah. But yeah, you can still smoke inside those motel rooms. I say I was a little naive back then. I was sleeping on those beds. 
I yeah. didn't throw anything down on top of them. Yeah. Probably should have, but yeah, probably some lice and, and things like that. It's funny Definitely. that you kind of bring this episode up because literally yesterday I was talking about, I probably talked on this podcast before about how funeral food is like some of the best food you can possibly eat. Yes. It's usually a Midwestern style Catholic yeah. funeral is a potluck situation. Yeah. And when you're talking about funerals, it is every let's just say what it is. Every like every woman in the county will bring their best dish for yeah. for, for that situation. Uh, my mom would always bring her apple pie. Amazing. She would bring that like that apple pie, she would take to everything. It was great. Okay, quick question before we continue on here. Because I've been learning a lot about the family heritage apple pie. I'm not even joking about this. And learning about all the different styles. Did your mom, was your mom's um, like a plain old apple pie? Was it a Swedish apple pie? Was it a French apple pie? Was it a caramel apple pie? Do you know? Uh, she used a lot of sugar. Uh, butter in the crust, <laughs> sugar in the apples. Okay. So I don't. So I uh, would say. I don't know. I would say that is your um, basic American apple pie right there. Nothing special in it. Let the apples in the crust do the talking. No other additions. Yep. Yeah. Uh, basically, she learned it from her. I'm imagining she learned it from her very Irish mother and grandmother. So, you know, it's uh, probably where she got it from. Yes, it's uh, I mean, it's a it's a classic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even though it is Irish, it doesn't ha it does have taste. So <laughs> maybe it's not Irish. Does it have rum in it? That's the real question. No, it probably no. isn't Irish then if it doesn't have alcohol. <laughs> now, society's highest ranking members, pharaohs, kings, priests, and nobles throughout history have had the largest and most elaborate burials that society had to offer. With some examples being the pyramids at Giza in Egypt, longship burials or burning at sea for the Norsemen, also, European nobles would often be entombed in the floor or catacombs of giant cathedrals. This, though on a much smaller scale, exists to this day, with members of high society having funerals in the biggest and best places of worship, large funeral processions in luxury vehicles, and entombment in cemeteries meant for corpses from society's highest ranks. When you were reading Pharaohs, Kings, Priests, Nobles, in my head, I'm like, I'm surprised he didn't do the American twist and like put CEOs on there as the highest mm. ranking members of society, um, at least in America. So that's kind of getting into like the modern American nobles. Okay. It's kind of like the big time business execs, the doctors, the people who make, you know, the big six, seven, eight figure paychecks, that sort of situation. I was kind of going in the past, past okay. to, the past to All the right. modern. Yeah. I... Do you think when Jeff Bezos dies, they'll crush his body up and turn it into like mix him in with a bunch of box Amazon boxes and just have him his body delivered all over this country? Oh, give everybody a little piece of Bezos. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, joking aside, I'm I would guarantee that when he, he dies, his remains in some form or another are going up into space. So they all want their their remains going, you know, scattered throughout the galaxy, I'm guessing. 
I hope he donates his hair to science. <laughs> <laughs> the little bit that's left on his yeah. arms and legs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just like how the ceremonial traditions haven't really changed that much in modern times compared to our ancient ancestors, another huge, though rarely spoken of tradition, is just as important today as it had been for many millennia. And that is the need for the cost of a person's burial to reflect their personal status in society. And just as important is the judgment that comes towards the family when it's felt like a funeral service and its arrangements are not quite as elaborate as the corpse's societal status really should garden. These arrangements are all currently made in the West by many women known as funeral directors. <laughs> and besides helping a family through the worst days of their lives, these men and women are usually just small business owners offering their services in a capitalist country. And it's understandable that these businesses need to make money. However, how much of this profit is enough? And when does providing this service become manipulation? And that is the premise for today's episode, the end of life industry, and how mourners and the bereaved are upsold and manipulated as we look into and discuss big death. Saints or charlatan? Yep, yep. I, uh, <sighs> well, I, people from not, who aren't from America might not understand the, I feel like most businesses are a little bit predatory. Um, mm. There's some big ones, you know, the, the healthcare industry is a big one right now. That's like a problem. Um, I have my own grievances with them right now that I'm not going to get into, but I'm not happy about them. They pulled a trick one, a quick one over me. Um, so if we're talking about greedy businesses, I'm in the mood for it, Phil. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. It's this episode. It's kind of a little bit weird because no one really thinks about like until there's a death in the family or you think you might die. You really don't think about funeral directors like at all funeral homes. It's not really a business that kind of comes into mind. It's almost like it's just kind of something that's there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's pretty much the entire point of life insurance, right? If you have life insurance, unless you started like when you're our age, you're not going to get a big payout. It's usually my understanding is if you're an old person, if you've had life insurance for how many years and then you die, you're going to get maybe 10 grand, 15 grand, and that's going to buy your casket. Yeah, the problem with life insurance is if you buy it when you're, say, 40, and you end up having it pay out when you're 80, inflation has taken, you know, inflation's gone up so much, but really, like, the package that you bought hasn't gone up at all. So if you thought, like, oh, yeah, that $20,000 policy I bought back in 1971, that's going to be that's going to take care of my family, take care of my funeral, take care of everything. You die in 2023, 20 grand, not going very far. No. So. It'll get you, you know, a casket and maybe a couple dozen open face sandwiches for your luncheon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Midwestern funeral. Yeah. All the food is uh, is brought in. But we're going to talk about that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's uh other places, it's not potluck style. You're expected the, to provide all the food. There's so. one thing, I don't know if it's just Midwest, but those cream cheese mints, 
It seems mm. like they're only at funerals, and I fucking love those things. Oh, definitely. Yep. God, yeah, I know exactly good. what you're talking yeah. about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I used to love those things. Didn't your grandma actually, like, cook those? I'm yeah. pretty sure I've had them at her house before. Yeah. Yeah, she used to, I don't know how, but she whipped them up. What's funny, something I discovered about my uh, my grandmother over this last weekend. So, apparently, one of the last things she requested before she died was what they called Ethernitsy, right? And I'm, like, mm-hmm. searching everywhere, like, what is this shit? And I'm searching, and I'm searching, and then my mom pulls out one of my grandma's really old Czech cookbooks, right? And then I see yep. it in there. And I've came, I learned very quickly that those immigrants, right, um, once they, I'm assuming, get past from generation, some of the letters in the language, like they're pronouncing it in their head one way, but it's spelled a different way in yep. Czech. So instead of like putting the right spelling, they just wrote it out how they think it's is supposed to sound like (laughs) and that yeah yeah, so then i'm like okay this is what it actually is supposed to say but in their cookbook they just wrote it down how they spelled it in their head so you should have asked me what that was because we used to have that growing up all the time yeah (laughs) they it's it's not even it's not even like it kind of looks like that spelling it in english but um it's not ether and it's he's like Yander Nitsi or some shit like that. We always called it Itzenitsi. It has a J in it because I looked it up. Um, but obviously mm. it's in the Czech language and not <laughs> English. But I just thought yeah, it was you, funny. You got to be listening to polka and drunk while eating it. That's the trick. <laughs> so <laughs> just like at uh, <laughs> the old Czech days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Just to get this out of the way. We are not going to be discussing the scammers and con men who prowl the obituaries in order to prey upon bereaved families that claiming to be with the funeral home or the cemetery, charging these men and women, these families, supposedly unreceived or uncharged payments that are owed to them for services rendered. They oftentimes make horrible threats. They're the scumbag scammers that you think of. Now, these vagrants are some of the worst grifters imaginable. We could definitely make a scammer episode about them. It's also really, we're not going to include what you might be thinking about, like crematoriums that are uh, burning multiple bodies at once, or cemeteries that stack coffins. This is very rare, uh, but when it does happen, it makes, you know, you know nationwide news. Yeah, now, We're not really going to be talking about them. This is just your run-of-the-mill, mostly honest, like funeral parlors yeah they don't need to lie about the greed um yeah the multiple cremating thing i (laughs) i knew a person talked to them and they worked at an animal crematorium and Mm. i just gotta say guys you might be getting a few other animals in with your animal that's all i can say about that Yeah, I read into it a little bit. Uh, As far as human crematoriums go, it's highly regulated. Like, there's a metal toe tag that uh, basically, it's not literally a toe tag. It it goes on the, it goes on the kind of uh, metal sheet that the body is laid on. But that basically stays with the body the entire time. Uh, Crematoriums are kind of standardized to have just like one person per uh, oven kind of situation so it's not 
going to be it's highly regulated it's not going to be to uh, burn multiple bodies at one time yeah so. yeah that cream cream and i don't know what you call it, cremator cremator i don't know what you call the <laughs> damn thing but uh yeah it'd be hard to fit multiple people in that thing oh definitely yeah and i mean you put them i from what i was seeing usually it's those very thin wooden uh caskets or even like cardboard caskets they have that uh fit in there and they fit pretty much perfectly in there so you really can't get multiple of those or multiple people in there so no but this episode's not about that this episode's mostly about the mostly honest but slightly devious okay funeral director slightly predatory so yeah the predatory one yeah definitely yeah now this whole subject is not something that's really thought about or actually discussed in polite society the bitter truth is funerals can be extremely expensive, which, depending on what state you are buried in, can cost anywhere between six and $15,000, with total end-of-life expenses being even higher, costing on average about $20,000. So right now we're going to scroll down way, way to the bottom. I uh, included a chart that goes state by state to show you kind of like how much it costs per state and like which states are, are higher. So we got to scroll down about eight pages. All right. Well, I got to say, Phil, Arizona is pretty high. Actually, it's pretty average if you look. So find Hawaii. Oh, I see. Uh, Yeah, I guess Minnesota and Arizona are pretty much the same. What does the colors mean or you don't know? Oh, okay. So yellow means expensive. Okay. Green means cheap. Minnesota and Iowa are in blue. So what does that mean? Uh, I highlighted them so I could find them easier. Ah, okay. I got you. So in California, Connecticut, and Hawaii, those were kind of the three most expensive ones on this list. California, the funeral can cost almost $11,000 with total expenses being about 30. Hawaii, super expensive, $15,000 for your average funeral with total expenses being $42,000. Then there's, you know, kind of the, the cheaper ones, maybe it, you know, maybe the real estate for your plot's not as expensive in a place like Arkansas. Uh, funerals only sixty eight hundred, and total cost is just under nineteen thousand. So the average I, kind of goes around twenty to twenty two thousand for most states. I I do understand why Alaska and Hawaii might be outliers, just because of like everything's more expensive in Alaska simply for the shipping part of it yep. and so obviously so is hawaii um so when it says average end of life expenses expenses is that like uh the embalming and cremating or is that like hospice care and stuff uh i believe that is mostly kind of like the services okay so, yeah okay. like the um, embalming, uh, preparation, all of that stuff. Okay. Okay. And then the, the funeral cost might be the cask. I don't, the ac- do, you, do you have to the pay actual, the church? What's that? Do you have to pay the church if you have a service there? I'm pretty sure you do though. The church should really pay you cause they take fucking donations. It's you, <laughs> those Catholic funerals are usually make it in mass. So yeah, they I always know. take donations and keep it themselves. A whole forty-five, a whole forty-five minute mass, and then the funeral processions after that. It's a bit yeah. much. 
Fucking animals. I know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. But <laughs> you you basically get done with the mass and then they start the funeral. Then they talk about the dead guy who's been sitting in the <laughs> middle of the fucking altar the entire time. It's like, God damn, we've been here for over an hour. Come on, let's go. And he's probably like, I'm glad I'm dead so I can't hear this bullshit. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, <laughs> the only one who's <laughs> not just fucking ready to get the hell out of there. You know, I don't know if you're going to talk about this, but... The thing that really pisses me off is when someone has like a specific directive that they want done after they die and the family doesn't listen to any of it. That shit drives me nuts. Oh, yeah. We definitely are going to talk about that a little bit. Um, I will say that it has to do with kind of how the order of things goes. Wills are generally read after the funeral, and that's kind of where the problem lies. Okay. All right. I gotcha. Yeah, because a lot of funerals, the situation will be like the family plans a funeral. They kind of do the things that they think that the birthday boy is going to want to have at their funeral. Then they open the will, and it's like, holy shit, they wanted the complete opposite or none of this, you know? That sort of situation. I'm just saying, I've known the thing I'm like, either people say they want to be cremated and then maybe the family and family knows that ahead of time. And they're like, no, we want them to have a regular funeral. Or if they're like, I don't want to open casket. And then they force them to have an open casket. Yeah, there's that thing, too. It can. It's a very touchy situation, especially when you have. Uh, We'll be talking about kind of like how the expenses work in all of this, but especially when you have someone who's very dead set on having their style of wedding, it's kind of, or having their style (laughs) of funeral, same people, honestly, you, you're probably picturing the same person uh, for weddings and funerals. Funeralzilla, funeralzilla, that's what we call it. Funeralzilla, (laughs) exactly, that's perfect, yeah, exactly. Um, It's, (laughs) you have to remember though, funerals are not for dead people. They're for living people very much. Dead person is fucking dead. That's just a cold husk that's in the middle of that room in that coffin. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I guess that's a good point. All right. Moving on. After discussing how much the cost of death differs in all 50 states, you can kind of see how we didn't really talk about this that much. You can kind of see how like the wealth disparity between the states that you live in, how it's lower in some areas, higher in other other areas will affect the end of life costs, the the funeral, all of that stuff. Uh, there's also along with other factors, um, inflation, taxes, land costs, like we mentioned for Hawaii, probably very expensive to bury someone uh, in the dirt in Hawaii. Uh, Oklahoma being a ex- good example of where cheap plots might be, and you know taxes too. So places that you know where people are generally have more money. Uh, the funerals are going to cost more. Yeah. I mean, that's not a surprise. No, definitely not. And it kind of, it's weird because it's really in your mind, it shouldn't really cost any different to bury someone in California than it does in New Mexico, but it can vary wildly. So, well, I mean, yeah, if people know they can charge a certain amount, then they will charge it. You know what I mean? If, there's a per capita more wealthy people in California than it's probably going to charge them more, or maybe they choose to spend more 
overall, I don't know. Yeah, we will discuss kind of tactics that they'll use kind of to figure out how much to charge people. So okay. that's where it kind of gets into the, the grimy nature of it. Okay. All right. Can't wait to hear it. All right. For the next part of this episode, we will be discussing really other reasons why funeral and end of life costs are getting to be so expensive. Now, first off, we have to remember that these men and women, though they may appear to be very polite and very tactful when dealing with mourning family members, are actually at their core business owners and business operators. And just like any other company, they have bills to pay, employees who depend on them, and they need to turn a profit to keep that ship afloat. Though many of them are honest and charge fair prices, you have to remember, in essence, the funeral director, or possibly what are known as on-hand grief counselors, are in actuality skilled salesmen. And just like any other salesman who's worth their salt, upselling is the name of the game. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, I guess. I th- Do you think this is something that most people assume? Do you know what I mean? Like... There, I maybe as an American, I don't think most people think about this sort of thing at all. Is kind of what I'm what I'm thinking. I think that really, I mean, we're going to talk about it a little bit throughout this. People are so afraid of death, especially uh, people from like previous generations. I know, God, like like my grandparents' generation, um, my parents' generation, a little bit too. It's just one of those things where they didn't even want to. When I was uh, in high school, I had just got my driver's license. I was talking about like, you know, checking the little box for the organ donation. And my dad said, oh, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you would get that, you know, like you got to take all your organs to heaven and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't want to break <laughs> his heart and say, like, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in any of that bullshit. But it's just the same thing where it's like, you know, they just think that, you know, you're just immediately going to be, you know, dead, then alive again. So they don't even want to think about death sort of situation that's that's true is our i've noticed a trend with us millennials we're a little bit more morbid of Mm. a generation than some of the other ones (laughs) like maybe it's the depression and stuff i don't know but (laughs) i just feel like we're more accepting of it if you were a time traveler and went back and met a 30 year old who kind of uh, came up during world war one you know, younger years during the Depression, and then their their 30s they spent during World War II. I bet, like, our generation and them would have a lot in common, like the greatest generation people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we never get any credit for anything, but that greatest generation, I, they name themselves, honestly. But, you know, um, that sort of thing. It's funny. I don't know if I send it to you. I think I quit sending you videos because you never check your Instagram, but... Um, <laughs> well, it's an avalanche every day. <laughs> it's uh, there was a video I saw, and they were showing like, um, basically a graph of the generations and the amount of mel- uh, wealth that they hold at yep. the moment. Oh, I did see that one. Holy, yep. <laughs> the millennials is like five percent. I'm like, oh my <laughs> god. Yeah, no wonder everyone's fucking depressed. Just slightly above Gen Z. Basically, yeah, just yeah. barely. And Gen Z is gonna be <laughs> fucking like nowhere to be found by that point. Um, but um, what <laughs> Gen I, Z won't even own the shoes on their feet. <laughs> you know, honestly, this is true. And I and like I've always thought, you know, a mortician would kind of be a cool career field, right? 
And mm. when you're looking into it, you're like, okay, you know, you want to make the dead person look good and all that. Um, but there's the other side where, yeah, you do that, but also you're going to have to be the salesman. Like, yeah, it's not just one or the other. You got to do both. You know what I mean? Yeah. And people really don't think about it like that. So really funerals are just kind of something, it's not like a wedding, not like you're taking months to planets and you're finding the food and you're finding the flowers and you're finding the the place to do it and you're finding this you're finding that you kind of just you know your loved one dies you go talk to this human being and then it just sort of happens you know yeah usually within a week uh, i would say maybe less yep it's always really quick turnaround unless that person has already we'll talk about this more later unless that person already has like kind of a prepaid situation and then it's uh you know, it's a little bit easier for the family. That's kind of the, you know, the idea behind it. So by the way, I know we're complaining about Catholic funerals. I do know there is a cultural group in the Twin Cities and their funerals. I've been told you have to sit there for three days. Like people will come and go, but it's yeah. like three days straight of it. And is I'm, it is it the Hmong? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I've heard that too. Um yeah. I don't think like if you're you, unless you're like a really close family, I don't think you have to. But I don't know. That's a bit much. Shit, honestly, if I could go back to my heritage, put me on a boat, set me on fire and just drift me out to sea and let the fishes eat my corpse, man. <laughs> Would it be a Norseman? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, give me a good Norseman. Death. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just uh, throw, just put us in a boat. I mean, if boats are more expensive than fucking a funeral. So. I guess that plan's out the window. Honestly, just take me out. That would be not too bad. Just, uh, you know, wrap me in fucking, you know, a tarp, tie the cinder blocks around me, and then just sink a rowboat <laughs> into the ocean. Not bad. <laughs> not a bad uh, burial at sea. Here's something maybe you didn't, you're not going to talk about, but um, I think those, like, you couldn't just bury someone in your backyard. You know, like, grandma died. You don't want to pay for a funeral, so you have your own funeral. I don't think you're allowed to do that. Yeah, that's one of the things that's becoming harder and harder. Um, you definitely has to have to get permission to do it. Um, also, you still need to go through all the same kind of channels. You can't just like, oh, grandma died last night. I'm burying her in the backyard. <laughs> you know, that's very illegal, yeah. obviously. Yeah. It's not the 1800s. You can't do that shit anymore. <laughs> you can't have like so. a small graveyard in your backyard. <laughs> yeah, it's not the Oregon Trail. No. <laughs> it's not how no. shit works anymore definitely all right getting on with this first the funeral directors or the grief counselors will have a quick conversation with the family members about the recently deceased asking probing questions about that person examples being like where's their home of origin uh, what's their work history organizations that they may have belonged to favorite sports teams or favorite hobbies. These are just to name a few. Then they will go ahead and figure out some prearranged packages or extras that will best fit their loved one's personalities. Okay, so they'll kind of customize it to who you were when you were alive. Definitely, yeah. So different things that they might offer on the inside of the casket lid, they might offer maybe like an embroidered design. Uh, let's say the, the person who died was a fireman. They might put the kind of like the fireman symbol 
up there or a police officer veteran, that sort of situation. Um, they'll also do things that will represent their hobbies and interests and other things like that. Like on the inside of the coffin? Like, yeah. Yep. Okay. Like the, you know how the, you know how the, the head lid yeah. is open. Yeah. There will be like an embroidered design kind of like right there, right on that patty. I mean, I'm not trying to be insensitive here, but, um, Who's going to see that? Like, once you're buried. Well, it's not for the dead person. It's for the <laughs> living people. You have to remember. I just hope by the time I die, like, obviously I want to be cremated, but I hope there's, yep. like, a machine that I can, like, put a hologram of myself and, like, scare everybody. That's kind of what I want to do. <laughs> be like Bender in Futurama. Yeah, yeah. Rem- the, his, with his giant uh, statue that was into the stratosphere. Yeah. Remember me. <laughs> I would say that would be great. I, I'd be like, if I didn't want to get cremated, like put me up into a pulley system and make it look like I'm moving in the casket just to scare him a little bit. And then you can put me back. <laughs> Ray Stevens sitting up with the dead. Yeah. Uh, we talked about how funerals are different now than they used to be. So wakes used to be like, you would sit up with it. They called it sitting up with the dead. You would at a wake, you would sit up with the dead in case they woke up. So <laughs> well, one of those. It's why it's why they call it a wake, because they might wake up. Well, yeah, I mean, back when they couldn't, you know, 100 percent determine you're fucking dead as hell. Yeah, you might have just had a bad batch of alcohol and uh, Edgar Allan Poe that shit. <laughs> 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 fucking uh, fingernail marks on the inside of the coffin. Yeah. Yep. Oh, some other things that you can do is. uh um, headstone designs and engravings that maybe best represent you. So same sort of thing. If you were a veteran, obviously you get, you know, different stuff on there. You can also get, maybe if you're a farmer, you might get a nice little farmscape kind of put on there. That sort of see, thing. See, I feel like this one's a little bit more understanding because people will come and they can like physically see it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when they want to come visit you or whatever at a graveyard, you can see something that is unique to that person. I kind of understand that. The inside of the coffin, I'm kind of like, you know, iffy about. Yeah, the inside of the coffin is just for one day. Yeah. It's for, you know, it's for the wake and then the funeral, everything's shut and they go. That sort of thing. But can you imagine? So I, like, I get, I get what you're talking about, like, but it is for just that one party. You're not actually dead. You wake up buried in the ground and all you got to look at until you run out of oxygen is fucking embroidery of you on the inside of your (laughs) casket. (laughs) Something that wasn't even like a favorite hobby of yours. Yeah. It's just the person who bitched the most used to like to do that with you. They used to drag you to go say it's fishing. Say you really didn't like fishing that much. The person just dragged you to go fishing all the time. And all that you had to look at was, well, it's, it's completely dark in there, but all you had to look at was a fish right in front of you. I'm going to, I'm going to convince everybody at your funeral to embroider 2% milk cartons everywhere inside of your cart inside of your coffin. <laughs> he just leave a fucking, he loved milk so much. He wanted to be buried with it. As they're closing the coffin lid, just put a fucking carton of milk down in there with <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, he would have wanted this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there's also, well, I'm going to, um, the funny, there's a funny historical thing that I'm going to mention. Uh, well, I'll mention it right now really quick. So uh, kind of some words 
were formed around what we were just talking about, people not actually being dead when they were buried. Uh, so someone would work the graveyard shift, which meant that they would work overnight in a graveyard. And back then, they would leave a, uh, a bell next to the headstone with a little string attached to it um, down that led down into the coffin. So if you did wake up, that was actually attached to your hand. So when the person started flailing around and trying to get out, the bell would ring. That's what was known as a dead ringer. Yep, yep, I've heard of that before. Pretty cool. So, uh, some countries put um, barricade, like metal barricades around the grave too, just in case they're a vampire. I remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty cool thing yeah, too. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. I thought you were going to do the joke about how everyone was dying to get in. That's why they have. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. That's not even a dad joke. We, That's a grandpa joke. Yeah, we don't. Um, grandpa, I'm sorry. I can't do it, man. <laughs> that's. Uh, but yeah, that's why like old uh, old movies, they'll have the the old man kind of walking around the doing the graveyard shift um, in graveyards, the old horror movies. That's why they always have a shovel, because they used to carry around a shovel in case they had to go dig someone out. Shit, man, you'd be dead by the time they dug six feet down to get you out. <laughs> well, you hope they're a fast digger. The problem is true. it's usually represented by an old dude. So. Yeah, very true. Very true. Now, some of the other things that you could be offered, um, obviously, a plot purchasing, uh, different flower arrangements for the service. Most importantly, though, we have to, of course, mention the centerpiece of every funeral, that being the coffin. Yeah. Yeah, I learned this piece of information that apparently my grandmother, before she died, purchased plots for like the entire family. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I guess my determined resting spot is waiting for me if I want it. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, Oops. in the Catholic graveyard. Yeah, you got to do what I did. Just tell uh, tell all your siblings. Well, you only have <laughs> one. Make sure make sure that all of your siblings know exactly what you want in that sort of situation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm I'm pretty sure everybody knows. Well, I don't know if you're cremated. Do they bury you too? I don't know. No, I don't think uh, so. You might be. I mean, if you want to be. Um, the thing is. <laughs> You know, you can have your shit scattered, but make sure that your family knows it. I figure I'll probably make it to 73. That's how long men in my family. Okay. So if I tell right. my little brother who uh, won't die until two years after that, 73, then he can, you know, he knows that I want a Jedi funeral, you know, burned on a pyre. Okay. That sort of thing. All right. The old, in the old style. Can, um, do you have to, is that like you go to the courthouse and be like, he wanted a Jedi funeral. Where do I get the permits for this? <laughs> where do I where do I get the you have to find like an open field or something, but we'll find you something. Yeah. But about about coffins, um, it is the biggest thing probably that people are really gonna maybe judge the family on. Uh like how much was your love for that person when maybe you kind of just got them a shitty wooden coffin. That looks like it costed about 200 bucks from Amazon. I've never seen someone buried in like one of those old timey coffins. Have you? No, mostly people are. So I think when someone dies in prison, that's what they get buried in. I'm thinking like a lot of states still do like those style coffins. Also, those style coffins are what people are cremated in. 
But no, the old West, you know, someone got shot in a shootout in Tombstone. You don't get no, you don't get buried in those anymore. I almost, I, I almost think. Don't quote me, but I almost think the Amish still use them. Okay, interesting. Um, well, I mean, you, you, if you wanted it, you could buy it for yourself and be like, I don't want to be a burden. Just bury me in this thing. You know, true. It's Very an old true. pine box. Bury me yeah. upside down. Everyone kiss my ass. That sort of thing. <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> now you might hear all this and say to yourself, but Philip, it's their job to direct a family on how to best honor their deceased loved ones. Yes, that is true. The problem is, when discussing these little extras and these packages, the counselors, just like when a car salesman runs through the available options on a new vehicle, they aren't under any real obligation to discuss line item pricing uh, while they are going through the process of planning this funeral. And it's only until the final tally is written out that the family will find out just how much the whole situation is going to set them back. Yeah, like if you go to an expensive clothing store or certain stores i don't think they tell you the price until you get up to the cash register you know what i mean oh, yeah. like um but okay um i i haven't had that much experience with funeral directors but i feel like they're not pushy though do you know what i mean I guess they show you what's available and they're not necessarily like trying to guilt you into spending more. I don't think. Okay, so we're we're mostly used to dealing with like small town, uh, small time operations. Is that and that sort of thing? Um, I'm just like I said before. I'm not talking about all funeral homes, yeah. but there are some that are worse than others. Little, at this little, sort of thing, little more pushy. Yeah, and we'll get into exactly what I'm talking about uh, okay. towards the end of the episode. But there are some where instead of maybe the funeral director, they might have like a grief counselor who's kind of trained in how to figure out what you want and to upsell you. Also, they'll be able to like look at a person and just ima- like immediately know like how much are these people willing to give that sort of situation. Gotcha. Do you think they're commission based? Um, I imagine some of them might be, but okay. I don't know. I didn't read anything about commissions in that sort of situation. But I mean, if they are salespeople, maybe they get commissions. It could be. You'd assume so. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, who knows? In the ones that we're thinking of, the small town Cresco, Iowa, I doubt it. But I mean, because it's all family owned. But who knows about like the bigger city one? But it would make sense that they were making commissions. Uh, Some of these bigger city ones and some of the ones that aren't mom and pop owned exactly. I would say those grief counselors, you know, they have a lot of skills. You know, we I mentioned like just now deal. They can kind of really just gauge a person's wealth. They can also gauge kind of who they need to talk to to maybe manipulate them a little bit or push them towards spending more money. So the person who has to open up their, there's always one member of the family that's going to have to open up their purse a little bit more than others. So maybe you go towards the one who might say things like, who could think about price at a time like this? Yeah. Or mom would have wanted a send off like this. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. That is very true. That is very true. Who could think about (laughs) <laughs> a price at the time or who could think about money at the time like this yes yeah very maybe true. the person spending the money yeah very true <laughs> very true 
at that point, the family has really agreed on all of those little extras to make the day special for the deceased. And it would be in bad taste to balk at the price tag for that celebration. And the funeral home really depends on these folkways to keep the original plans in place. Also, some unscrupulous funeral homes may have pricing that's not exactly set with the cost of things like flower arrangements, venue pricing, and even the purchase of the casket and burial vaults wholly dependent on market location and possibly even the perceived wealth of the bereaved family. So you're saying you got the price you talk about and then there's, wait a minute, we got a surprise for you. We got a few more <laughs> costs to add on here. Well, that's something that we're going to get into right now, okay. actually. Uh, right. Hidden fees is a big one, ah. but ab about what we just talked about it's sort of a situation where when they open up the catalog, it's not Amazon. There's never a price set underneath the pictures of those nice flower arrangements or the caskets or the, you know, the tombs, headstones, anything like that. Never really a price. You find out really about the price kind of at the end of it. Maybe tombstones is a little different because those things can be very expensive. And it's something that's usually placed after the whole funeral is, uh, you know, already, you know, every, the body's already in the ground. Everything's already paid for. Then usually the, the tombstone or, you know, some people have more elaborate ones than others. But uh, if you get a really expensive, really uh, elaborate one, it might take some time to get that tombstone made and then placed. Very true. Very true. When you said hidden costs, I was like, it'd be like, I wonder if they're taking their financial plan from something like Ticketmaster, where they oh. uh, they just bombard you with the hidden costs. Definitely. Wow, $30, $30 for five seats back on the 40-yard line. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it does sound amazing. <laughs> just wait for it's the- It's going to be 120 The processing fee, the handling fee, the admission fee, the- Whatever other horse shit they had on there. <laughs> the third party internet, you know, fucking subsidiary that they're, you know, moving the ticket through all of that bullshit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now, the biggest reason funeral homes are able to get away with transparency is this industry is vastly unregulated with very little oversight into its operations of every little individual business without there having been already a long trail of complaints made towards them, uh, with the exception of body disposal and crematoriums, like I mentioned before. Uh, when it comes to bad reviews and word of mouth, try to remember what I mentioned before, that talking about you know end-of-life expenses and funeral costs is really considered a big faux pas. Generally, a family will go with the funeral home that is either closest to the deceased connected to the church that they already belong to, or quite possibly the only one in the area, putting little thought into shopping around for the best service or pricing. And just like what you'll hear from the family member that is least financially obligated to pay for the service, who could think about a price at a time like this? Yeah, yeah, this is very true. It's kind of like I used to work for Enterprise Rent-A-Car at one point, right? And mm -hmm. Enterprise are all direct, most of them, are directly connected to a body shop because if you need to get your car repaired because you were in a car accident, you're going to need to rent a car and it's sitting right there waiting for you. So if you belong yep. to a church, you're going to have your funeral home that they can just send business that way to. 
It's pretty brilliant. Yep, definitely. So in Cresco, Iowa, where we grew up, there was, well, it's different now. Now it's called like Kent Hayek or something like that. But it was called Conway before. And that if you were if you're Catholic and you died in that town or your, you know, your family of origin, your, you know, your permanent family address situation is in that town. That's the people you're going through. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you're going through them. Winstrom was the other one that was for the Protestants. I, I almost think there's only one now. I can't be entirely sure, but I think there's only one funeral home now. I did. I I, I did look it up because uh, I knew we'd be talking about them. Yeah. So Conway didn't go out of business. They just kind of got it looks like they got bought out because when you click on the old Conway Funeral Homes Cross Iowa website, it takes you to the new uh, it's called Hint Hayek Funeral ah, Homes. OK, so it changed. Well, I know but. there is one person who works there, who might be listening to us. Um, mm. And I just want to say you're doing excellent. And uh, I, I, I know you're not like these people. I'm sure you're not at all like a scumbag. <laughs> no, I'm mostly talking about the like the mid-major and the major markets, like yeah. the bigger cities, yeah. that sort of thing. When it comes to the smaller town ones, uh, they haven't been bought up uh, by the larger kind of companies yet. So a lot of them still are mom and pops, or maybe there's two or three homes, kind of, uh, funeral homes, kind of in a network, kind of like the ones that we grew up around, have them in the little towns around the area, Riceville, yeah. Protovin, yeah. that sort of thing. And I think the people kind of know each other on a more personal level, which probably will not make people want to rip each other off. Oh, definitely. Yeah. These people are members of the community. Yeah. Uh, Cresco, city of what, like 32, 3,300 people. You know those people. You've seen them at the grocery store. Uh, they're the ones who smell like embalming fluid. Uh, maybe you even went to <laughs> high school with their kids who eventually will take over the business someday. Uh, funeral homes are very much a generational business, multi-generational shops, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. So another reason why shopping around for funeral homes can be very complicated is that the last time there was any major regulation for funeral services happened in 1984. This is when it became mandatory for the directors to tell a customer about any pricing and hidden fees, though this really only extends to in-person consultations and over-the-phone inquiry. Uh, it's very much outdated, and it does not cover business websites, which is why when you visit those websites, you'll usually have a hard time finding any sort of pricing guide or kind of like package details. Really, all you get is vague examples of the extras that the funeral home offers. Uh, also, you'll find mostly encouragement to sign up for a prepaid funeral plan. Uh, never really an upfront cost of goods and services like offered list. No, you'll never. It's not Amazon. Just like I said before, like you're not going to see any of that stuff. So what you're saying is this industry could use a little bit more government oversight. Oh, definitely. Yeah, they it definitely needs to get uh, some oversight. I mean, hell, 1984, that was 39 years ago that any sort of oversight. And it's it's sort of the thing where it's a business that people don't really think about. So government doesn't really take a lot of action because it's not really at the forefront. You know, yeah. it's customers are already dead. That sort of situation. Yeah. And if you haven't noticed in America, they're usually arguing about 
God, I don't even know. It's just like, just like the same topics over and over and over again. Just, and they're like things like this or other unregulated businesses is just like not talked about. It's almost like you have to hope your local government will kind of look into this stuff. Yeah. And I mean, it's not, I mean, there is profit to be made, but it's not a huge profit. It's not something that, you know, um, it's not as glorious, say, as Big Pharma, that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's not uh, <laughs> It's not on the, all the headlines of the newspapers. Nowadays, maybe, you know, the articles, that sort of thing. Yeah, very true. Very true. So I've included on the, the script here some pictures of some coffins that I found on the Internet. Uh, apparently, you can pick them up from uh, over the Internet, from Amazon, that sort of thing. But it's just I didn't really in my mind like buying a coffin would be like much more expensive but i think it's from what i've heard about how much it costs when you get it from the funeral home it seems like when you buy it direct from these companies it's a lot cheaper yeah i'm looking on costco wholesale um mm. and you can get this <laughs> nice one it's one thousand uh, dollars it's called the lord's prayer casket by prime it's got five out of five stars it's not not bad, Costco. Not bad. Yeah, but you can kind of see what I was talking about with the embroidery on the inside. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of praying hands. That's a pretty generic one. Um, I've yeah. seen ones for basically people in the service where it had the Marine Corps uh, kind of logo uh, put up on front there. It was actually the Marine one was pretty cool. It was all black. I would get it, but uh, have the Air Force one put on there probably. But yeah. Put a pentagram on <laughs> it's, mine. Uh, I, I call it good. Have a pentagram on there? Yeah. yeah. But yeah. you can have, I mean, there's all different designs. There's little things you can have put in the corners, American flags, that sort of thing. ton of little extras. Okay. Totally yeah. customizable. And, oh, definitely. Yeah. And we did find the uh, the standard pine box. Those actually cost almost as much as the regular one. Most of yeah. these are about twelve to $1,500. Pine box is $1,000. So. Just going to find a nice Amish... Uh, you know, carpenter and make whip me up one. Oh, then it'd be five grand for that bad boy. <laughs> no, they overcharge like crazy, but it's for the craftsmanship. True, very true. And finally, one thing that always seems to come up, but you couldn't possibly have thought that we'd be bringing it up in this episode about small time family run businesses is corporate greed. As over the last half century or so, slowly but surely, corporations have begun infiltrating the end-of-life gang. I mean, let's be real. What in today's current world has the corporate world not stuck their fucking fingers in? Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's just it's everything. I even I was reading a story about farmers markets. And apparently even like the vegetables that you see that you think are coming from small time farms, apparently they're even like infiltrating those, like getting, you know, basically upselling their own produce that usually would go to a grocery store, putting in a farmer's market, that sort of thing. I, I don't want to sound crazy here, but I'm getting to the point where I feel like in the not too distant future, the greed, especially from like. The big company is kind of just destroying everything that people like there's going to start to be some <laughs> backlash from citizens. Do you know what I mean? 
Oh, definitely. The term greedflation has been going around a lot on the internet about how everything seems to have gone up in price for almost no reason. Yeah. And I'm not saying like, you know, there's a little protest, but I just feel like we could be slowly getting to the point where there'll be like, it's starting to affect everybody, you know, all normal people, not like rich people. Um, and I don't know. I just, it's just something I feel like is becoming more of a talking point than I've ever heard before in my life. Yeah. They got to be getting worried about the board getting flipped over at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. All right. Moving on. This may seem like a weird industry for a large corporation to step into. However, you have to remember that the end of life industry always experiences growth as death is inevitable. And at some point, every family will require their services. Also, eventually, everyone will become a product. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's for you and I. I mean, people might not know this, but even when we were 16, working in the shithole fucking restaurant, we talked about corporate greed. You know, what was that? (laughs) Over 20 years ago. So you and I have had a hatred for corporate greed for a very long time, um, and as mature adults, we fully understand that if there's profit to be made or profit to be squeezed out, they will find it and they will reap the re- rewards. And then you went straight on to working at Best Buy, which is one of the yep. worst yep. corporations. Yep. Guess what? They got now they're getting cannibalized by an even bigger, greedier corporation. So, what's that tell you? Mecca Walmart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, Amazon. though, let's be real. You don't really have an option in the world anymore. You're pretty much going to work for a corporation or it's going to be tough for you to survive. Yeah. Well, the one that we're kind of talking about is it's kind of weird because you you may be working for this corporation and not even know it if you're in the industry. Ooh, so it's, it's a little shit. weird. All right. Let's hear about it. Now, the largest corporation that owns funeral homes by far is known as SCI. This stands for Service Corporation International. It was founded in 1962 and is currently headquartered in Houston, Texas. They own, uh, at the time of the articles that I I read, which were early 2023, uh, just under 1,500 funeral homes along with about 500 cemeteries. This is across 44 states and eight Canadian provinces, including Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico. They're also in some of the countries in Europe and Singapore. Altogether, it's said that they control about 13 to 14% of the entire market share across the United States and Canada. Now, Cody, obviously, you've heard of such a large corporation that has come to dominate the funeral service industry, right? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> not a, even even their title of their business does not sound like it's related to death no definitely not it if i was writing a uh dystopian future sci-fi novel, service corporation international would be a great name for the malevolent hellscape fucking <laughs> business that runs everything secret yeah. That's depriving people yeah. of water. Service yeah. Corporation International. It's yeah. just it's a it's such a weird name for something that has nothing to do really with what they do, minus service. It they they do provide a service, they are a corporation, and they are international. 
It's just it tells you nothing about them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is very true. And I, yeah, like you said, I think that's by design. Definitely, it is by design. Uh, that is because even though the company uh, created Dignity Memorial in 1999, all of the funeral homes and cemeteries that SCI buys up retain the original name on the outside of the building, some of which are even able to keep on the same staff as when it was family owned. This is as if nothing has changed at all, meaning that families which had used those funeral homes for generations, even the ones that currently have prearranged funerals planned with and paid for with that establishment, aren't aware that anything's changed at all. In fact, SCI is said to have around $8 billion in prearranged funeral deposits, uh, funds which really are just sitting in investments collecting interest. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty fucking insane. Yeah. So everyone really thinks of funeral homes, funeral parlors as these little mom and pops. And maybe if you're in a small town, Maybe that's still true. But if, like I said, you're in a mid-major or a major market, uh, you're probably going to be dealing with a company that's owned or underneath this company. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I. it almost feels like it should be illegal what they're doing, but I guess like you said, unregulated, they can kind of do whatever the fuck they want. You know what I mean? Yeah, the, the thing about... Having every single building or every single funeral home retaining its old name is a little weird. I th I do think that businesses like hardware stores kind of do the same thing. Um, a hardware store will get bought up by like Ace or Farm and Fleet or one of those companies, and then they'll still keep like the family name on the business. They'll just call it like last name Farm and Fleet or last name Ace Hardware, that sort of thing. I but you still know it's like it's ace hardware you know i suppose well in this case i imagine it's so people think oh hey i'm just supporting a local business that's doing funerals not feeding this you know fucking gluttonous Monster. company yeah <laughs> it's it's just trickery honestly yeah exactly you might your family might have dealt with them for say you're in your 50s uh, your great grand, your grandparents were buried by them. Your parents were buried by them. You know you're going to be buried by them. You already have a plot of land and a funeral arrangement, everything already set up. And you think one day my kids are going to get buried by these people. Turns out it's a, a massive corporation. Yeah. yeah, it feels like a weird lie that I'm just going to say. Maybe some of our listeners were like, you know what? I kind of wish. I didn't know that. You know what I mean? Like, I wish I didn't know that I'm just another statistic for a big corporation to be buried in the ground. Oh, definitely. <laughs> All right. So, like I said before, uh, SCI was originally founded in 1962. That is when Robert L. Waltrip, who is a third generation funeral director, uh, he had actually grown up in the business uh, just upstairs in a uh, family homestyle funeral parlor, uh, began buying up multiple operations in what would become known as a cluster pattern. This was in order to save costs via spreading around resources throughout the network. Uh, Robert L. Waltrip 
would serve as chairman of the board at SCI for 54 years between 1962 until 2016. He actually did pass away uh, this year, 2023, in February. He died at the age of 91 years old. Uh, Below, I did put a few different pictures of him. Uh, He actually very much does look like a funeral home director that you kind of think of if you you go down there. When I first looked at these pictures, Phil, I was like, oh, he just put a generic stock photo of a funeral funeral directors. Like, I honestly, that's what I thought. I had no idea this guy was the leader (laughs) of this big ass company. So the, the wedding picture and the larger portrait are obviously when he's much older. But look at the one that looks like it's from like the late 80s, early 90s. He totally looks like a funeral home director. Yeah. Like the suit doesn't fit well. He's falling out of it. Like <laughs> it's, it's very much I, yeah, funeral. I, very much the you get the feeling of a funeral home director. I, is the funeral, you imagine he smells like formaldehyde. Is the funeral director required to have like that giblet kind of like turkeys have on their neck? I believe so. Okay. Yes. I've never seen one without one. Yeah. I so. don't know if like you're born and they just know you're going to be a funeral director when you when you grow up, um, but <laughs> I just, it seems to be, maybe it's like so much formaldehyde, you kind of mutate, your body mutates, and this is a side effect of it. I don't know. It's all, <laughs> it fills you up just like it fills up the dead yeah, bodies. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. Kind of I don't me- know. Melts the skin under your um, under your neck, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> causes it to droop down over your collar. Yeah. Uh, I do like the wedding photo because you kind of look at it, you see the two people getting married right there. I believe that that well that those might be his sons and maybe his granddaughter getting married. But you know like someone in that wedding picture just won the fucking lottery. <laughs> They're married that, into big death. That or him, he's like god, I can't wait till they die to collect the funds. <laughs> I wonder what his funeral was like. Probably he I, had like just a very private affair, just a simple wooden coffin because he knows how much to upsell it. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah, he because, you know, any of his family members, he's definitely charging them. They ain't getting oh, for definitely. free. They ain't getting discounts. <laughs> yeah, if any one of the people in that photo would have died, he would have <laughs> by principle, he would have to charge himself too much. <laughs> but yeah, he did pass away uh, earlier this year. But I mean, it's kind of crazy. 54 years at the head. He basically built that corporation from like just a couple of small funeral parlors into a worldwide operation. So I mean, great businessman. He actually he went to I believe it was Rice in uh university in Texas and you know, I just wanted to mention him uh, also just a way so that I can show you these pictures because they were pretty funny. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Now, besides cutting costs through consolidation, SCI also turns a profit by charging more than any of their large competitors or any of their, you know, smaller competitors, the mom and pops that we were talking about before. They'll raise the prices on funeral packages and those little extras without their customers realizing that they might be paying a lot more than if they just went across town or across the street. This is because of the hidden prices on funeral homes websites that I mentioned before. Also, families not realizing that they're actually dealing with the McDonald's of funeral homes. Big death, if you will. Yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah. So I guess this is kind of smart. Well, I don't, I hate saying smart, but mm. if he can raise the prices because he knows inherently people aren't going to be like, 
hold on a minute. I got four more funeral homes to check out. They're just going to go yep. there and be like, oh, this must be the standard price along the industry. And if it's known, like in a in a town, if it's known that you are a certain religion, you might just be taken to that funeral home like automatically, that sort of situation too. It's one of those deals. Like, are you really going to have your loved one carted back across town? Yeah, that's very true. This guy probably fucking hates Scientologists. <laughs> he can't get their Why? business he can't get their business don't they get launched what into is... space or something i don't <laughs> actually i don't know what the fuck they do <laughs> I'm, i don't know I, they have money so obviously if they're paying a hundred grand for a fucking vhs tape of someone talking then they've got money you know <laughs> yeah it's very true now the only way that they actually got so big was that in the early 2000s, the company changed course. They would stop focusing on buying up small time operations and instead they would begin buying out their largest competitors. In 2006, SCI would acquire the then second largest funeral corporation, that being Alderwood's Group. After that, in 2010, they would acquire the then fifth largest competitor, Keystone North America. 2013, SCI bought out the newest second largest competitor, Stewart Enterprises Incorporated. Okay, this again, very common corporate tactic. Mm -hmm. If you can't beat your competition, just buy them out. Yeah, or if you're already stomping your competition... Just uh, <laughs> scoop up the remnants and buy them up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like we talked about uh, Mattress Firm is pretty much why they're so big. Just eating up all the other competitors. So why not the funeral industry? Yep. Definitely. Everyone sleeps. Everyone dies. True. So Very <laughs> it's the same true. exact thing. There's always profit in it. You know, you sell one bed a month. You're good. You know, one person dies a week. You're great. If that they, sort of thing. if SCI buys up the cream cheese mints industry, we're fucked. Oh, I, honestly, some of the things I'm going to talk to you about, like the com, you know, the different uh, wings of their operation, they might own that oh, fucking bit no. too, because they own just about everything else. God damn uh, it! In two thousand, <laughs> in two thousand eleven, they also bought seventy percent of Neptune Incorporated, uh, which was the largest crematorium service. Uh, it's still it's still under its own name. It's just they're basically, you know, they own 70% of it. So they're the majority owners. Kind of weird you call it Neptune and which is generally associated with water and you burn people there. Mm, I don't know really where the name Neptune came from. It's <laughs> just yeah, saying that is a good point. though. Yeah, it's just you think of water and there's fire. Imagine if it was Hades. Yeah, hell <laughs> maybe yeah. they maybe they used to be Hades, and then they oh fuck, no one likes that. Would change it. I would totally like if I owned a crematorium, just like put a big sign under it and been like the gateway to Hades. Like <laughs> enter here. <laughs> Have just three large dogs out front. Yeah, I need a three-headed dog. Where can I get one of them? Definitely. Yeah. Um. I really should mention uh, all of these kind of like big acquisitions uh, every single time or pretty much every single time there were large antitrust investigations that were undertaken. This was obviously to determine if SCI was becoming a monopoly or breaking any antitrust rules. Uh, as a result, 
Um, each time they were forced to sell just a, a few of their like certain properties or, or certain businesses inside select markets. And this is obviously to allow for competition, though obviously they're not selling it to some small time you know funeral director's son who wants to start a business. They're selling those businesses directly to their now dwindling competition. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm surprised they didn't start a second business themselves and then just buy, sell to their sister company or some horseshit loophole like that. Honestly, I'm surprised even the, uh, what is it, SEC even did anything or even cared at all. Because it doesn't seem like they care at all. Yeah, it's um, the FTC, the Fair Trade Commission or something, the Federal Trade Commission, I think is the one they're governing body okay uh, sec is more stocks um, okay we are going to talk about the stock market just a tiny bit with kind of their profit but yeah so like i mentioned um they do have oversight it's just the the large kind of game-changing regulations just haven't come in so long but they do still get looked over like i mentioned crematoriums and kind of like the handling of the body is very much you know it's very important to look over that stuff. So everything else does get looked over too with the money side. Just not okay. as, you know, there's not as much scru- scrutiny maybe on that as there needs to be. True. Very true. Now, some of those, I'm going to go through these super quick. Some of those different wings of SCI are SCI itself, which I mentioned has over 2000 uh, funeral home and cemetery locations. They also have dignity planning, uh, basically helping to plan and arrange funerals. Advantage Funeral and Crematorium Services. Uh, they basically help with the the funeral services and the products. There's also uh, Funerera del Angel, and they specialize for Hispanic customers. Making Everlasting Memories helps memorialize loved ones preserving and publishing their life stories. There's also Neptune and Trident Crematorium Societies and National Crematorium Societies, which handle a lot of like the cremation that we talked about before. A, a lot of those crematoriums, just like with the funeral homes, will also have kind of the, the small business names still plastered on the front. So you don't know that you're basically dealing with just one huge you know company when you think you're dealing with a bunch of little companies. Okay, I just want to point something out. Neptune and Trident, that is directly after fucking the water thick guy um <laughs> poseidon come on poseidon yes yeah, yeah exactly you fuckers why are you naming it i that? did not notice that until you mentioned it but yeah exactly <laughs> well you know i noticed stupid shit like that but um okay so they've got this is literally like a one-stop shop uh <laughs> they've got you covered for anything you need here um obviously you know hispanic you know, what is it, like 25% of the U.S. population, I think, right? Um, so you got to have coverage and for growing. that. And growing, yep. Yeah, and growing. You got to have coverage for that. Um, you know, I I don't know. They, what is a life, publishing life story? Do like they make a book for them? I, maybe, they, maybe they're the ones who kind of put their obituaries on the internet, that okay. sort of thing. Okay, um, yeah, that they makes have, sense. It's just another kind of service that you can do, kind of memorialize uh, the deceased. So they're they're even they have their fingers in that. I was also reading uh, last night that they have a disaster relief company 
that has contracts with governments. So if there's a disaster, they're actually will they'll bring out mobile uh, like mobile services to help with kind of the handling of the bodies. So they're even like in other countries during disasters. The thing is, it's all under SCI. So even if you know you're dealing with like dignity planning or memorial plan or any of those other ones, Fenera Dale Angel, you're still dealing with SCI. Uh, you know, you know, it's, you know, it's all McDonald's. Doesn't matter. You know, when you said like they have this disaster relief thing. You know, when you're playing like a uh, RTS game and you're collecting resources, yep. and you hear that little ching every time there's a resource deposited in the main base. That's all I'm picturing when they're at these disaster relief places and they got dead bodies and they're just putting them in there. Like, yes, this is more and more money for us. Pretty much. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's a business. Yeah. So it's a corporation. Yeah. It's not like, you know? oh, we're si- we're doing this humanitarian thing for these poor people who died in this disaster. These are all giant piles of cash for us. Yeah. And you mentioned the SEC. So kind of like the Wall Street thing. Yeah. Uh, SCI is considered a very good investment kind of stock. They are on the stock market. And because there's always going to be you know, dead people. There's always going to be business for them. They're very solid. Lots of brick and mortars around. Basically, they're a good investment. Yeah, it's a it's a sure thing. You know, very steady. So, okay. So if you would have invested in them, let's say in 2019, and then you had a massive upsurge of dead bodies, obviously 2020, 2021. Um, I wonder if their stock rose quite a bit during that time. I have no idea. Do we know exactly how many people? It's like, didn't they say 2 million people supposedly died from COVID? In the US, yeah. Um, okay. Worldwide, I think it's like 10 or 12 million. But um, I mean, if you got the normal death rate and then you just have all these other dead people, although I don't know, would they? So they own 13% of that. So I guess they wouldn't be getting all of the money for that. No, yeah, there's so there's 20 about I was reading there's about 25,000 total in the US and they own about 13%. Okay. So they own, you know, just over um what was it? 15 just under 1500 funeral home services. I wonder So it's are they It's not it's it's not like they own the whole thing, but they they own them where people live. That sort of thing. Okay, so very maybe, strategic. Markets. Maybe what I was gonna say, if they're like predominantly in big metropolitan areas, um, obviously there's a lot more people that die every day, so yep. that's probably where they'd want to be. Um, I guess maybe the coffin industry or even the urn industry might have benefited the most from that. I don't know if they own those things. Yeah, the the thing about funeral homes is I know they had a lot of those bodies until funerals could be held. Yeah. So maybe having all that overhead was because uh, there was um, freezer trucks that they brought in to handle the corpses. I remember seeing that there being a Burger King truck that they used the refrigeration for that. Um, I will say, though, I was reading that apparently when someone decides to get cremated rather than buried, there is a uh, not as much profit for the funeral home. 
apparently, okay. you know, without all of the coffin, without all the tomb and everything, they don't make quite as much money. I, th- I think those much smaller. I think the urns, though, can get kind of expensive. Yes. Yeah, the urns, it's never really. So a lot of them that I've actually seen were really just these sealed boxes, kind of with like writing on the front of them. So hmm. it's like in TV and movie, you see like the metal urns. But it's it's a little bit different. Do you want yours but. to be like look like an Xbox Series X? <laughs> Xbox Series X. Yeah. Yeah. Hope hopefully by the time I die, no one knows what an Xbox Series X is. <laughs> <laughs> Not too far after, but you know, 73. True. Give true. me a good 73. Very true. So to cap all this off, as for SCI's current business, they provide service for around 630,000 families per year. That is because of their extensive network. Like I mentioned, they're in large markets. Uh, They claim that they could possibly offer services to around 80% of the families in the United States if they need them. So 630,000 families a year, you know, use them. Now go down and look at those prices again and you see how much, you know, how much money they're making. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's quite a bit. So obviously this isn't the total number of people who die, just say in the United States every year. This is just the amount of people who die who use their company, right? Yeah, 630,000 okay. families. Okay. So they claim to help that many families a year. I don't know exactly people who die who they they help. It's obviously, it's an estimated or rounded number. It's not exactly 630, but... You know, you look if if you imagine six hundred thirty thousand families means six hundred thirty thousand funerals. Like, look down and you'll see like the per funeral per yeah uh, average total cost. That's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, it'd make even Bezos blush a little bit. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's. I mean, I shouldn't say I'm surprised. There's like mo- one corporation who kind of owns a good chunk of this but um yeah i don't know i mean it's almost i feel like at this point you almost just have to expect it you know what i mean it's just the the thing that weirded me out or the thing that got me just you find it in places like i would never like in my mind these funeral homes these parlors are all like small town small time family owned sort of situations you know you got the you got the grandpa still kind of running things, the son who's starting to take over, and you got the kids, you know, who someday are going to start doing the, uh, you know, the job pretty much, you know, the generational run kind of thing that you see in all the old movies. So, yeah, like like my girl, that uh, that old movie where uh, the dad is the I forgot what his name is. He was in uh, SNL. Um, Couldn't tell he was you. in. Ghostbusters. Uh Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd was a he was a funeral director uh in that movie. They lived at that funeral parlor. And that's that's kind of what you think about, you know. Yeah. Um I do think if I had I think like them owning all the companies but keeping the family's name or whatever name of the original funeral home to to like create the deceit that it's just a small time, like a small mom and pop operation. Yep. To me is kind of despicable. Uh, you know, obviously outside of the prices, what do you, what do you feel about that? 
Imagine Walmart basically buying out or kind of <laughs> shutting down all of its competition in town. And then like after they buy up the hardware store, they keep the hardware store's name just on the side of their, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I just feel like that's just such a douchey thing to do. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So to finish this off, little disclaimer, not all funeral homes, like I mentioned, are owned by this large corporation, just about 14%. Uh, most of the small time, small town mom and pops are still either single business or regional network owned shops. Also, these people do offer a highly valued and highly undesirable service uh, in an industry that most Americans couldn't imagine working in. Uh, that's why it's still mostly dominated by family businesses. You almost have to grow up in. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good point. I got one more thing to tell you before, um, you know, before we close out here that I have learned because apparently this happened to my uncle who just passed away like last year. So mm. <clears throat> let's say you die and you're very poor and you don't have any money or nobody has money to like pay for your funeral services, right? Yeah. They'll go ahead and cremate you or whatever. Um, and if you want the ashes, you have to pay the outstanding bill for the services that they performed. So, like, if they cremate you in this situation, they won't just give the family the ashes. You got to pay for that. Oh, yeah. So they'll they'll hold on to the ashes. Yeah, till you pay till you pay the outstanding balance. So it's not a like pay as you go thing. It no. is you you pay us the whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. They, okay. There's rumors that uh, my I don't remember if someone's gotten his ashes now, but he he did pass away and he didn't have any money or anything like that. Nobody really had anything, and I think they still kept his ashes. I don't know if someone's got him at this point. Maybe they have, but I know that was a situation. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so yeah. they will hold you hostage. So <laughs> just uh, <laughs> keep you <laughs> keep keep that in mind, guys. He might have got cooked by an SCI-owned industry then. <laughs> Crematorium. Could, he honestly could have. I don't know. I don't know where he was cremated at, but uh, but yeah, it's hmm. it's a little weird. Definitely, yeah. But um, I don't know. It's just I. So doing this episode, I just kind of heard all of this stuff. I heard a little bit about it. Then when I dug deeper, it just kept on getting weirder. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the things that kind of got me to want to do this was I heard a weird thing about um, taking ashes on a plane to take, say, if you want to go to Yosemite to scatter, someone, <laughs> scatter someone's ashes, apparently uh, they have a lot more regulations than they do like in TV shows and movies. Apparently it's not a carry on item. Apparently you have to register it as like human remains. So. Okay. All right. I'm surprised you couldn't. Well, I suppose it'd be hard. I bet. I bet it'd be easier maybe to just ship it, like ship it and then pick it up from somewhere. So SCI does have a deal. Uh, I was reading on a website with FedEx. That's one of the ah. companies that they're kind of partnered with. They're partnered with like the the VFW. They're partnered with um, kind of like hospice treatment places, I think too. One of them is FedEx or UPS, either one of those two that they are partnered with. So maybe you can ship ashes. 
Okay. Well, um, you know, it's here's how I feel at the end of this. This is my closing comments. You know, I'm kind of I have a morbid, you know, morbid sense of humor and everything. Um, So, you know, dying is just part of life, whatever. When you hear you listen to this episode, you almost feel a little grimy just because of how much of a financial burden you can put on your family by simply dying. That is something that is inevitable for every living being on the fucking planet Earth. You know what I mean? Um, You can't just die and not. I mean, you can, but I'm saying most families are going to endure the brunt of the financial burden to do something with your remains. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's why, well, you kind of think about it. Even though both of us are single, I still, in my mind, think like I need to have life insurance just so I'm not burdening like my mom, brothers and sisters and all of them, all of their families. Yeah. You know, you need to have enough to take care of, you know, and then put it, it it can't just be in your will, what you want or like, hey, don't spend money on me. Be cheap, you know, toss my asses and toss toss. Toss my ashes out in the fucking woods for all I care. One of those situations. Yeah. Like, yeah, you got to tell people before you can't have it in your will. Because one thing that we actually didn't mention, because I mentioned it before, uh, it's by design, really, that like wills are read after funerals so that, you know, any of their end of life wishes for, hey, just cremate me, you know, uh, put me on the fucking put me on the mantle. I don't really care. Uh any of those wishes, maybe don't get read, that sort of thing. True. Very true. Respect the wishes of your loved one who's passed away. I'm going to say that too. Um, anyway, we got one thing here real quick. I want to personally thank Julie for sending us a beautiful email about uh, kind of talking about the Melonheads and as a former Iowa resident uh, we appreciate you for this email. It uh, definitely gave us a good chuckle. So thank you for that. Uh, if you want to contact us like Julie did, where can they do that, Phil? Uh, well, first of all, I want to say also thank you, Julie. And you said that you used to go to Grinnell. Um, actually, my extended family used to live there. So it's pretty uh, pretty interesting. Small world. But it is a small, it's a small state of Iowa, definitely. <laughs> uh, if you want to get a hold of us, just like Julie did, uh, hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we love to hear from you. Uh, we're definitely reading all your stuff. It's just uh, a lot of times there does get to be quite a bit of it, and it gets to be almost a job in itself to, to read all of it. So hopefully we can get back to you. Uh, even easier way to get a hold of us, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Uh, we love all the likes, all the shares, all the comments. Anything you want to throw at us, you know, let us hear it. The good and the bad. The nice and the mean. Uh, Cody also has an Instagram account. What is that, Cody? You can follow me at Cody's above. Thank you to everyone who follows me, sends me a message, sends me nice comments about the show. I greatly appreciate it. If you, the last thing we ask you guys to do is to log on to iTunes, leave a show a five-star review. Doesn't particularly matter what you say, type in your favorite funeral home, hit five stars, hit submit, and we greatly appreciate everyone who's taking time to do that for you, for us. If you're a Spotify listener, it's even easier. Just hit five stars, hit submit, and we greatly appreciate everyone who's taken the time to do that for us. Phil, 
beautiful episode. You busted the door on an industry that I bet <laughs> a lot of people don't even know exists or don't really even think about, as you've alluded to in the episode. Well, guys, we'll see you next Jedi funeral. Get one. <laughs>